Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus through these messages from our weekend worship gatherings. Amen, amen. Well, you've got some praise this morning. Well, we're still here. And by we're still here, I don't mean like we're still here in this crazy season. I mean like you've made it. So can you just give God some praise that you're still still here in a season that has, in a lot of ways, literally trying to kill us, we have made it to this point. And as we look to close out these last few weeks of the year, my hope is that God uses these final few experiences just to remind you of his goodness. Because even when life isn't good, he still is. Amen, somebody. Even when things seem dark that drown out sometimes the reality of who God is, and that's our hope over the next few weeks, is we take these last few gatherings of the year in a year that has been unlike anyone any of us have ever known. We lean in to the truth of God. Because in this season, I think we probably need it more than ever, amen? And I know that it's hard sometimes in in your everyday life, in the routine of your world, it's hard to see him. But there's a guy in the Bible who wrote a book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. I know that's a funny sounding word. But it was written by a guy named Solomon. And maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. But I guarantee you, you've heard of his dad. Because his dad achieved legendary status when he slayed a giant with a slingshot when he was a teenager. His name was David. And he became one of the greatest kings Israel would ever know. And Solomon came out of a relationship between David and a woman that he was never supposed to be with. But Solomon became king just like his father. And scripture says he was one of the wisest people to ever live. And have you ever noticed that scripture talks a lot more about wisdom than it does intelligence because those aren't the same thing? But in Ecclesiastes, Solomon begins to just reflect on his life. And he writes some of the most poignant words, I think, ever written in scripture. And over the last several months, as we've walked through this madness And I've leaned into God's word. I've been leaning a lot into this book. Because this is a man that just like all of the people of scripture, he was no stranger to struggle. He had moments of triumph and he had moments of tragedy. And he puts into words realities that I think so often we don't grasp. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I know that some of y'all think this was a song written in the 60s or 70s, but this was actually written by Solomon many, many years before. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I'm going to start with verse 1. You ready for the word of God? Say amen. It says, there's a time for everything and a season for everything under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. 
a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And what do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. But he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Anybody else find those words as relevant as they've ever been? That Solomon says, as I look back over my life, and I see that it was full of seasons. Seasons that were good and seasons that were bad. Seasons that I loved and seasons that I had rather not had to journey through. That there was a time for everything under the sun. Seasons. That's a reality of life. I think everyone has a testimony that your life is full of seasons. And seasons is not a concept that we're foreign to. Even nature has seasons. And all of us have our opinions about them. Some of us are already praying for warm weather even though it's been cold for like five minutes. There's people clapping right now like, yes, Lord. I said, we should have moved to Florida. But unlike nature, life doesn't announce when the seasons will begin and when they'll end. For us, the calendar tells us when spring starts and summer begins and winter comes. But this year, we've learned that sometimes seasons begin without warning. They don't announce that they're on the way. They just show up. And unlike the seasons of our calendar, they don't have this definitive ending date that we can look forward to. Some are shorter than some others and some longer than we would prefer. And I think we would all admit the season that we have been in in 2020 is one that we're ready to see come to an end. And when will it? Who knows? Who knows? And some of us are having a hard time managing the season that we're in. But the reality is if we don't find a way to experience Joy in seasons, even when the stars don't align, I don't know that we'll ever have joy at all. Because for most of us, our emotions and our perspective and our attitude about life is so connected to the season that we're in. The season dictates who we are. And what if it didn't have to be that way? What if we could have joy in every season? And what if all the energy that we're spending asking God to get us out of the one that we're in could really be diverted into leaning into the things that will help us have the strength to endure it? Have you ever noticed that? That when we're in a season that we don't want, most of our energy is praying for escape 
and not asking for strength to embrace. And if we're not willing to lean in, maybe we won't learn what we need to in this season. That if all we're trying to do is rush through, we'll never learn from the season that we're in. Are you with me? Because the reality is, God works in every season. And just because it's not one you would prefer does not mean it does not have purpose. Just because you didn't expect it doesn't mean it can't be good. I heard a preacher say one time that in the aftermath of life's most painful moments, God does his most beautiful miracles. (laughs) But can I also say another truth to you? That in seasons that are unexpected, God also does the extraordinary. Because when the world was as dark as it had ever been, in a time where centuries God had been silent, he broke through in the form of an angel named Gabriel in the presence of a teenage girl named Mary with an announcement that everything was about to change. And no one saw it coming, and no one thought where he would come and to whom he would come would be like it was. In a season of unexpected is when God broke through the darkness and began to bring light. Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, and he was crying. I don't care what the song said. Because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause Great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And with that, in the most unexpected place, at the most unexpected time, in a season where nobody saw it coming, God showed up. In a season where God could have done so many other things. In a season where people were convinced that God had forgotten them, in a season that seemed as dark as in any point in human history, God placed a star 
over a barn in a little town called Bethlehem with an announcement that you don't have to be afraid anymore. Because in this town, at this moment, and in this manger is the source of joy for all people for all of time. Yeah, somebody can clap. Somebody can get excited. And so we move into this season where we celebrate the fact that literally a bundle of joy came into the world. And I got a feeling that most of us are having a hard time feeling it. You've put up the trees and you put up the lights and, and, and man, you're faking it as good as you ever have. You even started early. At the stroke of midnight, you put up the pumpkin and brought out the tree on Halloween, thinking that maybe if we started a little bit earlier, we'd have enough time to ramp up to it and just a few extra weeks would get us in the moment, but you're still in that season where a season that's supposed to be about joy seems to have anything but. Because all you can see is record number of cases. Somebody you know just lost another loved one. You don't know what's going to happen to your business. And you're just consumed with all these things. And joy's gone. And so you feel weak. Which is natural. Because without joy, there's no strength. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when joy is gone, strength goes with it. And so you're just weary. And you're wondering, how am I going to have joy? Not just, how, how can I have joy in this season? How can I have joy at all? Because some of the things that people in this room have experienced are now permanent. Like there's, there's some things that have been broken in this season. There's been some loss. There's been things that have happened that even when COVID's over, that thing is still real. Come on. And so, yeah, you're like, yeah, everybody's going to be excited when, when, when COVID is gone, but that loved one's not coming back. I'm not sure that business will recover. And the reality is the reason why joy is absent is because hope is getting lost. And the reality is, before you can experience joy, you must find hope. Before we can experience joy, we must find hope. Because hope is what leads to joy. Hope. A favorable and confident expectation. Hope. That's what hope is. A favorable and confident expectation. And I don't know, there's a lot of people in this world right now that have a favorable and confident expectation. It's like we're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. Because sometimes darkness invades our lives so much, just the thought of light scares us. It's kind of like if you've ever been in a dark room for a really long time and you walk into the brightness and, all, and almost like your senses can't even take it. And it just feels like everything that we've been hoping for gets delayed. When all this hit, hit 
two weeks to slow the spread. And we thought, in two weeks, we'll be back to normal. <laughs> and then maybe two more weeks, and then maybe a month. And the Proverbs write, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. <laughs> hope deferred makes the heart sick. And it seems like at every turn, we feel like, maybe, 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 no. Or is, is, is this, no. Are, are we going to finally turn? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And instead of hope, we've been rolling down this hill of discouragement, and it just feels like it's snowballing. See, for a lot of us, we started out, and, and in the beginning, it was just disappointment. Disappointment. It didn't. It didn't happen. It didn't work out. It didn't fix it. And we were disappointed. We had hope. We had an expectation that this thing was going to come. This relationship was going to work out. This thing was going to make all the difference. And, and it didn't. And so we were disappointed. And disappointment we can manage, but have you ever noticed that all of a sudden the ball starts rolling down the hill and disappointment becomes despair, or excuse me, discouragement. Not only it didn't, it isn't. And all of a sudden we went from just being disappointed to full out discouraged. It didn't happen and it isn't happening. And the next step is despair, where you feel like, it never will. And in a season of prolonged frustration, that's what drains the hope out of our lives. It's one thing that it didn't and just to be disappointed. But then when it isn't and discouragement sets in and then it's prolonged even further than we anticipated, despair has set in and it will never. And so many of us the reason why we aren't experiencing joy is because we've lost hope, because we're living in despair. And then the question is, all right, how do we get out of it? How, how, do, we, how do we move out of this season? And I got to be honest. What I'm about to preach, I'm not really practicing really well. Because I'm there too a lot of days. Then I start processing. And the first question I got to ask is, where, have I, where am I fixating? Anybody else ever learned that so much of life is about where you fixate, where you focus? Come on, let me know I'm not weird. <laughs> that, that so much of life is about posture and perspective and, and where are you fixating? And we have a lot of stuff to draw our attention towards the thing that create disappointment and discouragement and despair. And really what's going on in your heart is a byproduct of what's being consumed with your eyes and your mind. And so I ask that question is, am I fixating on the cause of my discouragement? And what is that? And sometimes you gotta, you gotta be honest about that, right? Because here... I will never be the pastor that says, put on a smile because you love Jesus and you have him, so everything's okay. That's not real. Come on, somebody. 
We started this year centering ourselves around the word courageous. And we were reminded that, that people, who, people of faith aren't fearless. They have fear, but they act in faith even though it's present. And if we've learned from Solomon, we can follow Jesus and things not go well. You can follow Jesus and experience pain. You can follow Jesus and life not always be what you hoped it would. I'll say what I've said from this platform many times. Following Jesus doesn't make your life easy. It makes it better. So I think about the psalmist in Psalm 43. Why? My soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Like what's really the source of my discouragement? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And there comes a time, if you're going to get over your discouragement and despair, look at me, you got to get honest about it. Pretending that you're not discouraged, pretending that there are not things in your life that push you and pull you into that depression is not how you overcome it. Pretending like everything is okay when it's not will never put you in a position of hope. Acting like you're not bothered by what's going around the world, acting like it doesn't frustrate you, that's not going to fix anything. I'm never seeing anything get better from neglect and ignoring it. But at some point, once you figure out the source or the cause of your discouragement, then you have to realize, all right, what is the source of my hope? Because the thing that has discouraged you, even if it gets fixed, doesn't have the power and potential to give you hope. Because your source of hope does not lie in this world. It lies from the one who came to save it. So let me just overwhelm you with some scripture for a while because it's better than anything this old boy has to say. Romans 15, 13. May the hope of God fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That I have hope, not in a vaccine, not in anything that's going to happen in this world. I don't have hope in anything that this world is ever going to bring. And don't get me wrong, I'm glad we have the things that God has given us the intelligence to have. But my hope is in Jesus. And Jesus is always the same, always present, always with us. Our hope is in him. Our hope is not in anything this world has to offer. And so when you hang your hope on something that cannot give it to you, you will always end up disappointed. So my hope is in the reality of three things. You ready? Number one, the reality that he loves He loves. And I think when things are hard, we can forget that we're loved. 
when things aren't like we want them to be, and it seems like almost like life is kicking us in the face every day. If you haven't asked that, if it doesn't sometimes cause you to think, God, do you, do you even love us anymore? Do you even love humanity? If you love humanity, why are we going through all this? The truth is not in what you see. The truth is what he has said. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love, that he loves us. That the reason why he dove out of heaven and into a manger was because he loved humanity enough to save it. He loves. Here's the second thing I'm convinced of. He knows. He knows. He knows it all. He sees when this season will end. And he sees how bad you want it to. <laughs> he knows. I'm grateful that I serve a God who knows everything I'm thinking, so I can just say it to him anyway. Me and God have had some hard talks in this year, boy. Look at me. It's okay to be mad at God at times. David was. Read the Psalms. You're, you're mad at people you love all the time. My son's sitting on this row. He makes me so angry sometimes. Guess what? Doesn't mean I don't love him. I make him angry sometimes. You know what? Doesn't mean he doesn't love me. He knows. He knows. Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He knows. He knows what he's doing. And even when it doesn't feel like it, and even when it doesn't seem like it, he knows what he's doing. He has a plan. He sees things that we don't see and knows things that we don't know and understands things in ways that we can't comprehend. The third thing, he has. He has a plan. He has already conquered it all. Remember when your little kid used to sing that silly little song? He's got the whole world in his hands. Sometimes the most beautiful theology comes out of the songs that we sing as children and as adults we forget. He has. And so Jesus told us in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, but I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. He has. God's got this. God is never caught off guard. We didn't see this coming, but he did. We don't know when it's going to end, but he does. And the greatest thing we can do is hold on to the one that has it all. Hold on to the one that's holding it all. And trust. And when you do that, 
When you know that he loves and he knows and he has, and when you start seeing him for who he really is, despair can start shifting towards hope and joy can be possible. Because lasting joy is the byproduct of a transcendent hope. A hope that transcends season to season. A hope that's somehow present. A hope that we can hold on to even when everything else feels like it's falling apart. And so today, if we're going to start moving towards any sense of joy in this season, it begins with hanging our hope in the right spot. And I know how easy it is to be tempted to hang our hope into what we see and what we can hold and what's tangible in our lives. But when you hang your hope in the wrong thing, it always fails you. And so if you want joy for all people, if you want to travel through this season believing that there is joy in the world, It starts by hanging your hope in the right place. And that's in the God that dove out of heaven and into a manger and walked this earth experiencing the seasons of life and who voluntarily hung on a cross and paid the price that was necessary to defeat what's trying to defeat us and three days later, stepped out of a grave so that we could have hope. So therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest Over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I don't know where you are in this season. I don't know what the posture of your spirit is or was when you walked in this room or when you turned on this experience online. But if you're like most of us, I feel like trying to somehow find joy in this season has been as difficult as it has ever been. And my hope is that starting today, something new is beginning to awaken in your spirit, that God is shifting your perspective That yes, as this year has snowballed from disappointment to discouragement to despair and hope has been drained from your heart, that over the next few weeks, as we gather together and online and we lean into the truth that has the power 
to change any season, that God will awaken you to the reality of what this is. So you won't find hope in your tree. You're not going to find hope in the lights hung on your porch. You won't find hope in spending money you don't have on presents people don't need. You will find hope when you realize that at the most unexpected time, God broke his silence with an announcement to a group of people no one ever expected. And the moment they saw them, they were so used to being in the dark, fear was the only thing that they could muster. But then the angel reminded them, don't be afraid. And in that moment, he wasn't saying, don't be afraid right now. He was letting humanity know because of what's just happened, you don't ever have to be afraid again. Because today in the town of David, Messiah has been born. One who will start out as a baby in a manger, but will someday be the king on a throne. So find hope, hang it there on the reality that God gave us his son so that we could have joy in every season. Father, speak to our hearts right now as we worship you. Stir up hope in us like never before. God, we bring glory to your name. We praise you this day that we don't have to walk through any season, no matter how devastating it seems, hopeless and therefore joyless, that we hang our hope on the truth that is your son, and there we find joy. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and opportunities to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.